0: Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Youngmi Mayor,
1: And I'm Brian Park.
0: Uh, Patreon shout outs.
1: Let's get straight to business. Let's do it. Well, first, I want to issue a public apology to Asians in Australia. (laughs) Because (laughs) on last week's episode, I did what I felt was a good and very accurate Australian impression. No one, no one. Not even an impression. Just an Australian (laughs) impression. Accent. I thought you
0: burped or something. I was like, what? Did you, you were like, Burr. I was like, what?
1: Just to give, in case you forgot, I was saying no, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, don't start. <laughs> oh, I feel so good. Anyways, I'm sorry. <laughs> I received some hate in my DMs from Australians and Asia, and I won't do it anymore. Maybe one more time.
0: They said that, oh God.
1: <laughs> I, we just don't know when.
0: Why don't you read the comments that they DM'd you in an Australian accent? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was obviously a joke, but they were they were like, they were like, high key racist against Australians. I was like-
1: And I was like, no, no. <laughs>
0: like, wow, Brian just got called high key racist.
1: <laughs> okay. Cantled. Anyways, Patreon shout outs. For those of you who don't know what the deal is, if you donate to our Patreon, we give you a shout-out and we try to guess your sex style based on your name.
0: And my psychic abilities.
1: Right. And if you're interested in donating and supporting the (laughs) podcast, donate some money to patreon.com slash feelingasian. Yeah. All right, now that we got all the boring administrative stuff out of the way, second shout-out goes to Mina Lee.
0: Mina Lee. Mina, for me, I feel like I know so many Korean women named Mina.
1: I'm nervous for what you're going to say.
0: And they're always mean, <laughs> but also always hot. Uh,
1: also, I feel like
0: it's like the female version of my son's name, Mino. Oh. So that's weird to mm. think of a sexual. No, I feel like Minas are the opposite of Mino. Cause he's like very like
1: perfect. He's, and Mina he's is just b- like mean bitchy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wait, no, I'm going to give an accurate. Wait, I just, the psychic vibes just hit me. Mina Lee. I feel like she is very sweet and gentle. In bed. Yes. And she doesn't like sleep around. You know, she's like waiting for the one. She doesn't have sex until she, you know, like like, cares. (laughs) That's my vibe. What what are are you getting?
1: (laughs) Honestly, nothing's coming to me right now. Very standard. Sex. Okay. Like, third date. That's when we fuck. Just dates one or two guys max at a time. Mm, Just I, yeah. standard through and monogamous. through.
0: Monogamous. I'm getting monogamous vibes. Strong. I feel like we're both kind of on the same page with that though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Heavy monogamous vibes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Last name, Brian. <laughs> Ashley Wu. Ashley Wu lives in California. That's my psychic vibes.
1: Coming Ashley tonight. Wu.
0: Has a really nice tan.
1: Ashley Wu, dominant in bed.
0: I'm getting that vibe too. Right? Right. I feel like we're on like the she's, same like my, like we are, we're both like getting the psychic thing. She's,
1: Which, she doesn't even ask. She is going to, she's going to force whoever it is that she's having sex with to go down on them.
0: Okay. That sounds, you know, legal. Consensual. I don't think that's true.
1: <laughs> I don't, I regret, I regret what I, regret what I said.
0: <laughs> oh my God. I just want to, <laughs> we're joking. No, no, no
1: we're joking.
0: No. We should
1: stop oh, my doing My face this. is so hot this right is, now.
0: We're crossing so many lines. We're getting
1: come, in so much mm, trouble. Consensually, consensually forces exactly. Them, consensually exactly. Yeah, yeah. sits on their face. It's like a
0: kink thing. It's a kink thing. Yeah, it's thing. a kink thing. There's a safe word involved.
1: Consensually sits on their face is what I meant There's to say. There's a
0: safe word involved. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Okay. Yep. Okay. Now that, you know, that was horrible. <laughs> but
1: the energy is really good right now. It's
0: also just awkward because for the first time in our history, we have two guests today. This and I is feel like, a
1: momentous occasion.
0: Yeah. And I feel like, you know, now we're, we're here with like two people just right. like,
1: there's no air <laughs> condition in my room where we're recording. It gets pretty hot. But now that we have two people in here at the same time, it's, it's, yeah. exc- it's unbearable right now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Brian being really responsible and putting away his air conditioning <laughs> as soon as September 1st hit, <laughs> not remembering that we're like going through like the final stages of global warming <laughs> kind of. Will be, no longer be inhabitable.
1: I'm just leaning into my lawful role on this podcast, young me. Yeah. September first, I woke up at seven a.m. Time to put my air condition away.
0: <laughs> I know it wasn't your calendar. <laughs> 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 All right, okay. I want to introduce the guests today. We have uh, two very special guests. They're both the co-founders of Welcome to Chinatown, which is a nonprofit grassroots organization um, helping businesses. In Chinatown, um, we have Jen Tam. Hey, everybody. And Vic Lee. Hi, everyone. It's so great to have you here.
2: Thanks Thanks for for having us. us. I'm both terrified and excited at the same time.
0: Are you terrified that Brian's
2: going to accuse you of
0: (laughs) non-consensual sex acts?
2: Oh, my God. This is also a really good start. (laughs) 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 Yeah, we've
0: we've made them afraid, Brian. This is great. (laughs)
1: I just want to apologize up top that was like <laughs>
0: Again. I don't
1: know what happened to me. I'm every, this entire episode I'm just going to apologize for everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we are really excited to have you and I feel like this is a topic that's um that I've wanted to like discuss with people that know about it for a long time, but I guess before we get to you too, Brian, how are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling pretty pessimistic oh, okay. in this sense of doom a little bit because of what's been going on in the news and Trump's um, Supreme Court nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. Implications are crazy. It's very stressful and also just very scary. And rather than kind of just wallowing in it, I think it places an extra pressure on all of us to just go out and vote. And the other thing that has kind of bummed me out and feel like, I'm in an apocalyptic scenario. Is I saw this documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma,
0: yeah. which
1: basically makes a case for why social media is a poison and fucking horrible for all of us. Uh, I just feel trapped because I hate social media. I barely post on my personal Instagram. I only, I exclusively only post to just promote the podcast. And that is my healthy way of kind of creating this boundary and using these social media apps diligently but not gonna lie still scroll out of impulse scrolling you know it's They've hacked our brains and I hate it.
0: Right. I'm sorry. What were you saying? I was looking at Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with you. Like, even when I play tennis during a changeover, I will impulsively just open up Instagram and just see if I have a notification. Right. Why the fuck am I doing that? I, I can't remember the last time I've taken a shit without looking at my phone. Yeah. It's insanity.
0: I, I like live on a five floor walk up. Yeah. I check it
1: while you're walking while going
0: down so i have to stop like <laughs> oh my- after two floors <laughs> and today i was like doing that and i was like this is i should just be able to go down some stairs <laughs> without <laughs> looking at my phone yeah and, oh i just i when i well, i saw that as well and i felt like i am the number one person that has this problem <laughs> But I guess everyone feels like that, huh? I guess we're all doing that, huh? Wait, so yeah. how did that make you feel?
1: Oh well, I was just a little bit annoyed because I, the work we do is very public-facing, and I think it puts our hands yeah. behind our back. Where we, it's really hard for us to sustain our career without social media. As actors, comedians, podcast hosts, it is they've trapped us. Where this is essentially our only way of growing an audience, right? And making our presence known and top of mind for people. So I was annoyed that ideologically, I I know I should just get a Nokia flip phone and focus on IRL conversations. But we can't. Like, I don't know if it's possible because of our work. And so it Mm. bummed me out tremendously.
0: It's like back when we were kids, celebrities never talk to the public at all. Remember that? And like, no. if a celebrity did like a shampoo commercial, it was like they would drop in our idea of their importance. Right. But now they all have to like tweet <laughs> and stuff like that. It's insane. It's really, it's so different. So yeah. weird.
1: I hate it. It's very gross. All of yeah. it. Yeah. But like, you,
0: Yeah, you need it.
1: And there's a correlation. I've noticed even in my immediate circle where the people who use social media the most, Yeah. I'd reckon... Probably not the best role models for a healthy mental state.
0: Okay, are you roasting me? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you
1: could just- As I look at oh, you,
0: I'm staring at you know the people in my circle that use social media the most.
1: <laughs> you know, tweeting things like "I'm a stupid bitch." Welcome yeah. to the
2: club. <laughs> I don't All mean right. to. I don't
1: mean to call out or project other people. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking inwards, and I just kind of feel grossed out yeah. and a little bit disappointed in myself on. I would argue it's even worse because you post a lot and yeah. you're putting stuff out there. I I just lurk. I don't even post that much, but I still mm. waste hours on Instagram for I don't even know what. I'm just scrolling. It's like a slot machine in Vegas. Yeah, you yeah. just keep scrolling and I, I don't know what I'm I don't know what I'm expecting, you know? Yeah. It just makes me jaded by humanity, and that's bad.
0: I mean, the way I look at why I post so frequently on social media is like you know I was saying this before we started recording. It's just like now that I don't have performing to yeah. to like express like whatever quote unquote my comedy or <laughs> like whatever. Right. It's like for me, it feels like it, I'm doing some sort of work, you know. Mm. But I don't know if that's actually true. It's like, <sighs> how much value does that have? I don't know.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do that too. But then I also have to like curb myself. I do that. I'm sure you do too, where I'm like, okay, I posted a tweet. Time to do nothing for three hours. I've done my work for the day. Right. Which is...
0: Yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling, Young me? Um. So, you know, obviously we have these very special guests here today. And it's interesting because today's the last day that mission... Chinese in Manhattan is open so it's uh, after this I'm gonna go straight there Um, and so I feel I I think I've discussed this before Brian but like you know whenever something really big happens in my life it's hard for me to like sit in that big emotions right away like I'm just like people keep asking me how I feel about the restaurant closing and I'm like I have no idea like I I'm gonna like I'm gonna process this in probably like six months You know what I mean? Like, that's when I'm going to start crying in the middle of the street or something. And I'll be like, oh, I I guess I'm sad. Like, I just feel like my brain does this thing where it's like survival mode. Like, we're not going to think about this right now. And like, there's no way for me to access it. Right. And I remember I've been, I was talking to this and about this in therapy a few times and my, and my therapist would call it like, oh, it's, it's kind of like a, it's like short it's like a short circuit, you know, like when you plug in your hair dryer and like all the lights go out in your house. And you have to go like it's like you overboarded and then mm. your brain is like, "No, nope, like can't we got to cut everything out and just go dark for a second cuz there's too much to like process." So, yeah. Also, the other side of that is that I've had like really like on social media, I've had a very intense uh, emotional social media week and that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) But, but the, you know, I feel very confident and happy about my decision to be that open about what was going on in my life because, you know, publicly, people don't know this, but privately, I've just received so much support. Mm. Like I've just received like hundreds of DMs like, telling me literally hundreds of DMs, like telling me that they like believe me. And obviously there are like some people that are commenting that I know are trolls negatively, but I'm not going to address them. And some people that are real people that are being honest. And I'm like, you know, it's like hard to see all that, but it's like I can deal with it. But I I think the thing that's really helped me is that I've received so much support privately. Anyway, Um. that's how I'm feeling I guess we should ask our guests who do who wants to go first? This is so weird. Vic, do you want to start? Okay. Yeah, I can
2: start. She's trying you? to get me to do it, but. How are you feeling, Vic? Do it, Vic. <laughs> I feel okay.
0: <laughs> I know that's the
3: most like indifferent. I think I've, it's a mix of what the both of you were saying, where like yesterday, this sense of impending doom of seeing things on the Supreme Court and just like mental fatigue, and then just like compounding it into I had like two mezcals on the rocks last night while I was like working and just like doing that. And then. Um. Just like now, I'm just let, hit a state of like indifference and right. I feel like that's as best as it's going to get. Wow.
1: <laughs> that's, yeah. So the, so the that, news that makes really me feel impacted- even more in doom. <laughs> 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 Good vibes in this room right now. It's
2: palpable. Wait, so the yeah. news
3: really impacted you? I think it's a lot of like mental fatigue Right. Like like everything that's been going on. And I think with um, you know, Jen and I doing like the welcome to Chinatown stuff that we talk about, it's just always feeling like you can never turn your brain off. And sometimes when you're turning your brain off, there's this like guilt. Mm. And then there's now so much time for like self-reflection that I have to say, I'm kind of tired of self-reflecting on myself now at this point. Like I just want to like do something to be happy. But now I'm like, I don't really remember what exactly I want to do to be really happy.
1: That is so true. Oh my God.
0: I feel like a lot of, in your self-reflection, is it like, do you think of like negative things about yourself or what's coming up there? Um, not,
3: it's not, no, it's not always negative. I mean, I think it's, I, so I used to travel a lot. This is like the Mm. longest period of time I've been in New York. Yeah. So I would think like, well, I guess I don't always need to be like overstimulated in new environments to actually be happy. But then at the same time, I'm just thinking like, well, what do I now want to do with my life? Because like my, what I thought the trajectory would be is very different. So it's not always like negative thoughts, but then it's very hard, like not to spiral now, I think, especially for people who might
0: live alone, like myself. Brian and I <laughs> we're like just alone and spiraling.
1: Right. That makes a lot of sense. I'm going through the same thing and I'm I'm just, I'm pretty tired of self-reflecting. Every week on this podcast, it's us ping-ponging. I've been reflecting a lot. I've been self. <laughs> I've been looking inward. I've been introspective. And it's usually bad things that yeah. you discover. I don't think I've ever looked inward and found like a good thing. And even if it yeah. was, it feels weird what, vocalizing really? that. In these times, oh. during a pandemic, when it's like there's so many people who are thrust in these horrible situations and there's mm-hmm. just like a palpable anxiety in the air, to look inward and be like, yeah, I'm pretty fucking sick and I never really appreciated that. Seems kind of like inappropriate a little bit. Yeah. I
0: mean, and I think every most of the time for me it's negative too. And but then every once in a while I'm like, you know what? I'm I like this is a good thing that I do. And then I'm like <laughs> then I'm like, I'm a bitch. Why did I think that? <laughs> also, yeah. oh, I just wanna say the thing about the distractions. I feel like so many people are feeling that too, you know, like for you, it was traveling, but I think all of us, you know, regular life, we had like day-to-day stuff that was just always like making us not have to think about stuff. Yeah. So you like really have to think
3: about what actually makes you happy now because you don't have these types of distractions where you could escape. What's something that makes you happy? I, uh, one of my friends, I'm officiating their wedding. Oh, okay. So actually, do you know these, even step back, do you know these like really coked out looking bunnies on Facebook like the pa- Facebook stickers that they're like clearly on coke and they're like
0: hyperactive <laughs> so like the person that designed it were like it's a bunny it's clearly on coke it's clearly yeah on it's coke. clearly on coke <laughs> so it's, I it the only
2: emotion is being coked out
1: <laughs> I have, I the only stickers I know are the ones on kakao talk
2: okay I'll have to
3: show you them later but they, okay. there's just something very like unsettling so okay. she Jen likes to send them to me and then
2: I—it's a constant state of trolling, Vic. That's that's like how we keep ourselves entertained these days.
3: <laughs> and I am um, officiating a separate friend's wedding, and they shipped and in the box with the wedding, it was like two hundred bunnies. Within within the message of, will you officiate my wedding? Oh, so I knew Jen was in on this troll. So what made me really happy was taking a bunch of these bunnies and hiding them throughout her apartment oh my god so there's like everywhere there's just like little like bunnies everywhere but I mean the core of it is just like that type of like friendship to do really stupid
2: things now that you wouldn't do otherwise but yeah it was something like that that made me happy I can't tell you how many times I've been both impressed and also what the fuck every time I find a fucking bunny in like a cabinet (laughs) I found one on top of like a photo frame earlier this week there was one staring at me while I was peeing the other day oh my god
0: (laughs) Amazing. Wait, why do you have so much access to Jen's apartment? Uh, oh, I'm there. Like, we all, we're like all each the time. other's
2: only friends these days.
0: Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I, I was like imagining friends. that you like snuck in in the middle of the night, <laughs> like, put them around somehow. I, I mean, I did
2: I sneak the in when
0: she was on vacation
3: with her husband. Oh, oh and, yeah, that's um, another. Tr- oh. I I put a portrait of my cats. Oh <laughs> so that's so funny. When she walked in, it was a photo of my two cats. So. But
2: I don't know if this like makes it better or worse. But I haven't taken them down either. You just
3: leave them? <laughs> oh, I totally
2: just left it and. Oh, the cat picture oh yeah the the cat picture (laughs) (laughs) well actually the bunnies are sitting with oh god okay this yes okay so there's the cats there's the bunnies (laughs) the cats just sit on the cat picture just sits on the shelf now they stare at me all day that's really sweet that's so sweet and then people are like oh my god I had no idea you had cats if they came I'm like those are my friends cats (laughs) Why do you picture your friend's cats? I can't explain it to you. (laughs) So the only thing that makes Vic
1: happy these days is trespassing and vandalizing. (laughs) Um, Jen, how are you feeling?
2: Um, So (laughs) when I saw this question, I was trying to think of a really good answer, but... All I can really say is I'm just in a constant state of confusion these days. Mm. I have nothing to contribute to make this mood like more positive or hype because I'm just confused about life. No, I are. Yeah,
0: but like. there's no... Stop <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I feel like, you know, as friends and acquaintances and stuff, yeah. there is, there's, there's no pressure, you know, like, I understand feeling that way because I always feel like I have to make everyone laugh.
2: Yeah, and it's, yeah. I think, you know, for for most of my friends that know me, they know me as the type of person that brings the energy to the conversation or like constantly happy or like wanting to make people feel included in like new group settings and things like that. And these days I just feel a lot more subdued and I just want to nap all the time. Mm, yeah. I mean,
0: I feel like that urge, you know, like mm-hmm. to make everything okay for other people. Mm-hmm. Like I, totally feel you on that, but also I'm glad that you are recognizing that that's, you know, not your responsibility. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I think this, I mean, just being in this whole state of COVID and I don't know, just life and whatever has been, not to go back to the whole self-reflection thing, but it does make you give, it gives you more context about what's happening around you when it seems like the world is in this awkward standstill of, what the fuckery is what I'm just calling it these right, days. Right. Right. So I, th- I, th- and it's like an interesting social experiment in many ways. For sure. Yeah. I
0: kind of, I'm sort of jealous that I don't have like a close friend that I could sneak into their apartment and do like funny
2: pranks with them. Well, I was <laughs> gonna give Vic a copy of my key, and so I was gonna say you could do that with her, but now I have second doubts. <laughs> <like laughs> doubting <laughs> that. Lost that the permission. <laughs> But if I started doing that to Brian? I think you should <laughs> yeah, do I it think to you should. I think. You, yeah. should you have case. a lot of good hiding places here. Like there's a lot of potential.
1: Oh, thank you. I don't know <laughs> I why I took that something as a compliment. <laughs> thank you. Uh,
2: yeah, I'm great at having
0: hiding spots in my apartment. <laughs> yeah,
1: sorry. I was just having a moment of introspection and realized that my room is pretty great for hiding spots. Um, Jen and Vic, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Can you tell us... What is Welcome to Chinatown?
2: Yeah. Um, so Welcome to Chinatown is a grassroots organization. Um, Vic and I, we co-founded this about six months ago. Uh, we're two Chinatown residents. Um, we've been living in Chinatown for almost the last decade.
1: Whoa.
2: Yeah. And it's been a place of like just community and gathering for us um, as people that, I don't know, just live there, hang out there. Our bar is Whiskey Tavern. Our place to go eat afterwards is Wallhop. Mm-hmm. Um we you know, have a pretty similar circle of friends. So it's pretty common for us to be hanging out on like a Friday, Saturday night with each other in Chinatown. And so in March, as you know, things were, well, actually before things were starting to really shut down in the city, we saw that Chinatown had been hit the hardest. You know, mm. foot traffic had been going down as early as Lunar New Year in January. Right. And that wow. just continued to go down, right?
0: Yeah. Right.
2: So for us, we were like, what is going on? And you know, as we look back at it, it's like, well, clearly it was racism and xenophobia. Yeah,
1: right, right, for sure.
2: And so for us, we we're like, okay, well, what can we do to help these small businesses who are, you know, facing that economic impact? Um, so that's, you know, how Welcome to Chinatown was born. Um, essentially, our goal is to help Chinatown small businesses stay open, whether it's through this pandemic or also beyond. Um, and then kind of like the second part to that is what we've recognized through our work and just as like two people living there is that there's also so many incredible stories to be told within Chinatown. Mm. And so it's wanting to amplify the voices of the people that are within the community. Through that, we've raised over $300,000. Yep. Whoa. Since six months. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh my That's amazing. God. That's
1: so amazing.
2: Yeah. Um, it's kind of crazy. Yeah.
3: Like- <laughs> I, I was, when we first started, we were thinking, you know, how do we do this because we weren't sure about like nonprofit status and right. all of that. And we just wanted to get money into the hands of the businesses. right? And when we were collecting donations, um, we were thinking, okay. You know, how do we, the, when we collected donations, it was to buy meals for essential workers. So just generating bulk catering orders. Right. Okay. That's how we started. I was asking Jen, I was like, do you think we'll hit like more than six figures? Because then we this is like, does are there tax implications for us? And we're mm-hmm. like, nah, it's okay. And then we, we realized very quickly we, that had to change.
2: The first <laughs> order that we put in, this is like how much we like went from knowing zero to I think knowing something, right? <laughs> but we were like passing the money through like Vic's Venmo to cashing out through my bank account, and then like me Venmoing back. But then paying the- it was like this weird, probably illegal cycle of things. But we very quickly learned, let's not do that. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we have our you know five hundred one c three five hundred one c three status and all right. of that. But I mean it. It. A lot of it stemmed from us wanting to get involved because of these challenges of Chinatown that are like they're cash-only places. Um, There are a lot of language barriers. Um, Federal and state and city resources are not made in um, easy access. They're Mm -hmm. not translated Mm -hmm. for the business owners. So they're immediately at a disadvantage. And there's um, a a trust element too. There's cultural elements that prevent um, business owners from actively seeking help. So that's really, that's a lot of what we recognize having grown up being Asian Americans too of like why we wanted to start this organization and get involved.
1: And how has the response been? I'm sure there were so many steps that led up to this point, but Mm -hmm. you know, it all started as like a kernel of an idea where you wanted to, you know, get involved and give back to this community that you were, that was part of your life for the past like 10 plus years. Yeah. Once you had the concept and you approached these local business owners like was the response like pretty immediately supportive of what you guys were trying to do no
2: (laughs) no really (laughs) only because you know Vic was saying there's this trust element that comes with it right Mm. so first there's the cultural barrier right where yeah we're Chinese but we're ABC like we're American born Chinese right our Cantonese is pretty limited, mm-hmm. and so in the way that we were trying to explain it in our very elementary Cantonese, one, the, so there was like the language barrier, and then the cultural barrier of like, why should I trust you as a stranger that just walked into my store saying you're going to give me money and you don't want any cut of it? Mm. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I under, I, I understand like the perspective they ca- came from. Yeah. So that's actually why we quickly pivoted to this. Well, so our, our initial idea was we would set up a. E-gift card platform mm. where people could buy it online and you know it would generate the immediate revenue. But it failed for two reasons. One is like nobody knew at that point in time when restaurants were going to reopen. Right. And if that restaurant itself would reopen post post-COVID. I mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And then two, you'd probably buy the gift card once, but not multiple times. So right. $25 or $50 in a gift card is only going to take a business so far. So that's where the idea for our feed our heroes initiative came through which was crowdsourced donations bulk catering orders uh, were purchased through those donations and then the meals donated to essential workers mm. right. and for okay. the business that was that's easy great. for them to understand It's like oh, yeah. I just make my meals yeah and then yeah. it goes what out to you. people yeah right.
0: can I ask how do you decide like which businesses you know you like common like try to help or support. Yeah. I mean, for Feeder Heroes, what because that, that took
3: place during pause, mm-hmm. that that was easier in the sense that there's only maybe like 20 restaurants open.
0: Okay. So yeah. we were
3: able to work with whatever restaurants that were trying to stay open to say, Let's, we'll place orders with you. Right. The m- biggest initiative we have now, right, is the longevity fund. So we actually launched our own small business grant Um, is the only small business grant exclusively for Manhattan's Chinatown. And part of that, there is an application process. Mm -hmm. Um, We look at what the business means to the community. How does it serve the community? Um, What are also the current barriers that they have had? And like, what do they contribute to um, the legacy of Chinatown? You know, Mm -hmm. what would the, what, 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 how detrimental would it be if this business is no longer there? Right. And for Chinatown, I think our first inclination is to think of restaurants because there's so many affordable, really great restaurants that are from ourselves as residents down to like tourists that, you know, they will remember having their favorite meal at this place. Right. But there's a lot of small businesses like um, uh, the herbal store, that only will you know that they, they have the senior population that will come and go there, and for us, what we realized is without the small business grant, like we wanted to make sure that the focus was on um, the all of the small businesses that are like the microcosm of the community, mm. and expanding into this program and having that type of selection criteria really helped us to um, to do that.
0: Right. Also, I. You know, like part of the the big reason, I, obviously we want to move on to talking about you two as individuals, <laughs> but <laughs> part of the big reason that I wanted to have you on was because I, you know, I really feel for Chinatown businesses because they're affected by racism and I felt like there wasn't enough information or coverage of this event that was happening, right? To like Chinese Americans. Yeah. And, you know, first of all, I, I want to commend you because, like, I feel like you immediately saw that, that that was a problem and you just, like, stepped up and did something. And then, right. l- you know, like, you raised $300,000. That's, like, insane, you know? Another, another reason I wanted to, like, have you here, and this, like, might seem kind of selfish, but, like, <laughs> you know, I our restaurant closed today and it's been accused of like appropriating Chinese culture. And it is like a restaurant that's like a gentrify or like a restaurant made for people that are gentrifying neighborhoods, right? Like Mission Chinese isn't a Chinese restaurant that's like run by immigrants that are, it's like totally different kind of place. And I felt like Um, even though we are going out of business, obviously COVID did affect us in a very different way. I don't think it was directly the racism. But I remember when quarantine first started, Brian, do you remember saying, you said on the podcast, you said you went to go eat at this famous restaurant in Chinatown. I forgot what it was called.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I went to WoHop and it was was empty as fuck.
0: Yeah. yeah. Brian told me that. And then after we recorded, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't want to name a restaurant name. We went to a like a white person owned Chinese place, place, and it was packed. Yeah, packed. We Mm. couldn't even. And also, this is like right when quarantine started, so we were kind of freaked out. We left because we were scared because there's too many people. Yeah, there's a line out the door. Yeah, and I remember you saying. WoHop is fucking dead. And then this white-owned Chinese restaurant popping the fuck off. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is so fucking racist. And I felt like so fucking angry. And obviously, I'm part of like the problem. And I'm sure people looking at Mission Chinese will think the same thing, even though obviously we weren't busy and we had to close. That was like part of the reason I feel like maybe it's like this, I'm trying to like atone for what I believe I've done wrong or whatever. But I feel like that's why I'm so into this issue, I guess.
2: I think we even grapple with it. Like, even though, you know, our mission is to help, you know, the the immigrant owned small business, but one, everybody's hurting, right? So you can't deny a business deserving less just because maybe they cater to a different audience. We, for, for me and Vic, like we recognize that we also contribute to gentrification or like modernization or changing of the neighborhood. You know, we were, born in america like more probably more american than we are asian so we're also a product of that i think where for us we feel like the differences is if it's a newer business or a business that caters towards a different audience are they at least doing something that may still honor the neighborhood in which they reside in and i feel Mm. like mission chinese actually did do that i think we are starting to see some not naming names, art galleries, or other restaurants, <laughs> right. kind of shaded them on our Instagram the other day, <laughs> 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 that come in and are, are like non-POC owned, but also zero acknowledgement mm. into the, the fact that they are coming into Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And that's, mm. I think, like where we kind of have a problem. Yeah. You right. know? Like, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah because guess, Chinatown kind of has now... It's become like a, a, yeah, it's like trendy (laughs) and cool and it's separate from the actual like Mm -hmm. cultural aspects that make Chinatown Chinatown. Yeah, Yeah, when people are
0: being like, oh, Chinatown's so cool, they mean like the four cool restaurants Mm -hmm. and the three cool galleries there. Yeah, It's so funny because I was texting my friend about this right before we started recording and she was like, oh, I live in a very non, she doesn't live in New York, she lives in a different city, Mm -hmm. but she was like, oh, like one of those like flower stores opened where, you know, every plant is like... $100, you know, in my neighborhood. And she's like, it's so weird because it's like, a there's like a pawn shop next to it. And like, you know, like a a women only hair salon and then that place. And she was like, she was like, it's not even the fact of what they're selling. It's their like, Image of being like, hey, this is a safe place for white people. Like, that's mm-hmm. what they're trying to say with their yeah. like design and yeah. price point and stuff like that. Yeah. Definitely I think an is
1: uptick a- on the dating apps. If you see a girl, a white girl <laughs> wearing a white tank top with tiny, tiny, tiny sunglasses, <laughs> what neighbor are you in? I am in Chinatown. <laughs>
2: Ooh, she's a cool person.
1: Whoa! (laughs) Let me guess. This person is cool. Like
2: Allen Street murals, (laughs) (laughs) fringe, But also, also,
0: Brian, that's literally my dating profile. (laughs) I'm such. I am such a hypocrite. Like what Jen just said. It's hard because it's like. You know, I'm like here calling shit now, <laughs> like, fuck those gentrified places that I'm like eating lunch there, <laughs> like you see me, like Instagramming, uh, <laughs> just a piece of shit, man. But what the before
1: hell? <laughs> uh, we ask you, how are you feeling? I do want to add to what Youngmi said in that I commend you both for seeing this issue and taking like fast action and even, you know in the beginning, you didn't really know what you were doing and you kind of like figured it out as you Sometimes were going we're along. we're not
2: sure if we still know what we're doing. <laughs> who does? <laughs> who, does? <laughs> who does? It's true. It's true.
1: But what I think was real is really cool is, you know, I looked at your website and Welcome to Chinatown has grown tremendously and you guys have like a robust team of awesome, awesome people who all specialize in different things to make Welcome to Chinatown, this operation that just, it's it's fully functioning and it's its own thing now. And I think it just so, it's like really poetic and very beautiful that you can bring together these people behind this singular mission and there's just, it's built on collaboration. And I feel as an Asian American, we don't really spotlight that much because even like the immigrant child experience or even just being an Asian, the narrative is that we're often like pitted against each other. And there's like, Mm -hmm. people assume there's this inherent sense of competition Mm -hmm. amongst Asian people. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Welcome to Chinatown is an example of the opposite where you're, you're, you're bringing together people with these disparate talents to like create this very, very awesome initiative. And I think that's great.
2: Thanks.
0: Oh, and I just want to say, before we start on the How Asian on your question, can we can we just put in right now like how people can donate? Oh, yeah. yeah. So,
2: you can visit our website, www.welcometochinatown.com. There's a donate button. We also have a GoFundMe for the Longevity Fund, which is our grant program that Vic was talking about. Uh, we have a pretty ambitious goal of raising $200,000 by the end of October, and every donation matters a lot. It means so much to us. It means so much to these businesses. Um, every dollar will go straight back into Chinatown.
1: You also have like pop-up events too, right?
2: Yep. Yeah, we have a couple upcoming events, socially distanced. Um, but we just did our first. It's called "In the Mood for Food." Um, it was based off of this very like sexual movie poster, like Hong Kong movie poster. Wong Kar Wai. Is it
0: called? Yep. In the In Mood, the Mood, for, Mood love? for Love. Yes. Yeah.
2: Hey. Yes. Um, that
1: is a very sexy. I'm patting movie. myself it on. Is. It. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've watched movies before. Sorry.
1: Yeah, and when that white girl says they live in Chinatown, I'm like, ooh. Have you seen "In the Mood for Love"? I like. F- I'm a cinephile.
2: <laughs> um, so yeah, it was like it kind of inspired off of that. But um, it's you know we we put together a curated list of some Chinatown restaurants and shops that you can self guide on your own. Um, the big thing right now is driving foot traffic into the neighborhood. Like we need a lot of people coming back into Chinatown, shop, you know, do your groceries, grab a bite to eat, take some baked goods from the bakeries home afterwards. Like just, just come visit Chinatown. Oh, and then what's your social media? Our social media is Chinatown. Okay, great. Somebody want... took welcome to Chinatown. <laughs> no. We are very upset about it. It's a white it. person. Like, <laughs>
0: yes.
1: No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All the right. The most frustrating
2: yeah. thing is that I think it was an inactive account too. Yeah, uh, it's not even active. <sighs> Oh God. Well, now
0: that all that information is there for the listeners, um, I guess we'll start with Vic. How Asian are you? I feel like
3: before COVID I was maybe 40, 60 now, maybe like 60, 40. What's the, what's
0: the, what was the other 60? (laughs) (laughs) I,
3: (laughs) I think in terms of how I like think, um, I like a- have never really associated myself as much with being Asian. I always mm. saw more of the American side in me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Because my, my parents came to the US when they were eight and nine. They came from Hong Kong. Oh, um, awesome. We grew up speaking English and we had a very non traditional, like, even. Uh, my parents' gender, nor- like gender roles, were reversed. My mom was the breadwinner. My dad oh. was more the stay-at-home dad. Okay, and we grew up things doing things such as like watching baseball and you know all all of that. I was not the first to go to college. My mom was the first to go to college, so right. I always saw a lot of more, of to the American side versus of being an Asian American. And I think that since COVID, that has flipped a lot, mm-hmm. and it's me kind of realizing that. I also don't know so many of my traditions. And during COVID seeing Chinatown, seeing like Chinatown might disappear, that's where I like learned so many of when I go to the temple, like when I'm supposed to um, you know, pay respects to my grandparents, things like that. And if Chinatown isn't there, which is like what's rooted in my memory. Um, I just all of a sudden felt like this huge loss mm. and it's like now changed where I realized that I need to spend more time discovering the Asian side of me. So mm. that's where
0: I feel like that flip has happened over the past year. I guess a good thing from quarantine is that it's like kind of helped you want to like get more, I, I don't know, is this a weird way to say it? Get in touch with your Asian side? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I mean, okay. a lot of
3: for my parents and grandparents, you know, they, they my parents came here when they were young, mm-hmm. but they were still trying to fit in. They were immigrants. So it's right. like blend in, you know, so like right. we're not going to talk about a lot of these things. And they also didn't know what were traditions because same thing for my grandparents. They weren't trying to like pass those things down because it was about you. we have to fit in with the neighborhood.
1: Wow, wow, wow. Which
0: is like, it is like, I feel like a lot of immigrant children will understand the sadness of that loss sort mm-hmm. of. But obviously we understand our parents too and why they wanted to do that.
1: I do think it's interesting cool. that the gender... Roles were flipped in your family,
3: and my parents are also. Um, they held hands, they like to like kiss each other, you know. My mind that's insane, yeah. They that is
1: adorable, but also, what the fuck?
3: (laughs) They met when they were 14 at a Lunar New Year festival in Chinatown, and they in New York City, Chinatown, mm -hmm. yeah. that's so awesome. So, so you know, I had like to when I remember talking with friends in like junior high where they would say, oh, my parents sleep in separate beds. It was like, it was so odd to me because- me Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't imagine because my parents had a very love, they still have a very loving relationship. And wow, those great. gender, those role reversals, like they they were the norm to me. So I never questioned things growing up when it was like, oh, why is it not okay to act this way as a female?
2: Mm, that yeah. and like it's you and your sister so it's like two daughters and they're immensely proud to have two daughters yes, versus dad, yeah. like mm. you know in Chinese like right. you have to have a boy carry yeah. on mm-hmm. the family legacy blah blah blah
0: Right for sure Sounds
2: like you had an incredibly healthy childhood <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think you have A good childhood I you, All very all happy very for really- you. <laughs> I'm <laughs> a little jealous. <laughs> Wait, did you grow, Vic? Did you grow up in New York City Chinatown?
3: I grew up in Brooklyn. Oh, I grew okay, up in Coney okay. Island, but oh, okay. we went to my grandparents every Sunday,
0: mm. and they um, lived in Chinatown.
3: Yeah, yeah. My my grandmother lived in this really old tenement building on Eldridge Street, and mm. we would have Sunday dinner there.
0: Mm. And
3: actually, the irony of like not really being in touch with my Asian side, I used to absolutely hate eating bowls of rice. Because I think mm. one time I did this when I was very young in, like, elementary school. And, you know, when you're at home, you ha- hold the bowl and the chopsticks and you, like, push the food into your mouth. Right. Yeah. And I got made fun of mm. because it was saying, like, oh, this is—someone was saying, this is, like, really, like, it's kind of like an animal, like, the way that you're eating.
1: Right. And was- I
3: I internalized that. I shunned that. I didn't eat it. So, even when I was at my grandparents, we— would, I would just eat over like a plate eventually. And also I don't want, like right. my food touching each other, but that's a separate thing. But I would eat <laughs> on, a, on a plate. And But then when she passed away, I all of a sudden I was like, wow, I like really miss, you know, I I didn't realize how much I miss this. And then yeah. now I have like this little like longevity bowl tattoo Aww. with her apartment sweet. number.
0: I but, saw that and I was wondering, I was going to ask you about your bowl of rice tattoo. That's such a sweet story. Wait, who, the person that said that you look like an animal, who, who said that? It he was just, um just someone I knew, like in elementary school, you know, just
3: oh, like ran, a classmate? Yeah, like a classmate. Yikes white. <laughs> Little white. You're like white.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say anything about <laughs> white. <way>. Oh, <yeah.
1: laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> like an Australian <laughs> person. <laughs>
0: Randomly. <laughs> okay. That's so awesome. Well, that's an awesome story. How about you, Jen? How how
2: Asian are you? Uh, this goes back to like how am I feeling in my constant state of confusion? Mm. Yeah. Um, I also agree with Vic. I think in the last six months, I have never felt more Asian than ever before. Yes. Um, which is actually re- very empowering. Like it's something that I've learned to become extremely proud of, but for I mean most of my life I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. I'm from Texas. Oh so. sick, me too. What?
1: Yeah, where in Texas are you from? Houston. I'm from El Paso. El-
2: what? There were Asians in El Paso? Yes. I can't believe uh, I'm in, in this room with two Texans right now. I know. <laughs> what are the chances? That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Um yeah. I mean, so I mean so you know, Brian, like Being Asian in Texas is definitely not the same as being Asian in New York. Or like Mm. Oakland
1: or something. Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
2: (laughs) And so there weren't, I mean, I did have like a group of Asian friends that I hung out with and grew up with. Mm -hmm. Um, But we were like kind (laughs) of it. And so, and also on top of that too, there weren't a lot of Chinese families in Houston, either, or if they were, they were, they were Taiwanese or mm-hmm. from like mainland China. Versus my parents are from Hong Kong, right? Okay. So we didn't know a lot of Cantonese-speaking families. So I feel like I grew up predominantly white, and also being the youngest of three, kind of also feel like my parents gave up on me in terms of speaking Chinese at home, mm. and oh. we just became very acclimated to American culture. Okay, and so. I think I started to explore more about my identity in college and then after college I moved here to New York and lived in Chinatown. Like I knew I wanted to live in Chinatown right off the bat. And uh, since then it has been like a slowly growing thing of just understanding more about my Chinese identity. Um you know I married a guy who is also Chinese and he like he grew up in Chinatown. Okay. And Brooklyn, like a very similar story to Vix. And so I think he's—he was just like by nature more in touch with his Asian identity. He oh, always I makes fun it. of me saying he married a white girl, just like trapped <laughs> wow. in an Asian body. Wow! <laughs> I was like, damn it, listen. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <a shame. laughs> so much shade. So now, actually, this is actually—I is pretty embarrassing that I'm about to disclose this, but I watch Peppa Pig and Boss Baby in Cantonese now to teach myself Chinese. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> <insane. laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah, I love that. Well, one, it's free. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Two, it's like, it's for kids, so they're not having very you know, advanced conversations. And yeah. I just need to know conversational.
1: Right, right. Mm-hmm. So
2: one time Vic and I were drunk at my apartment on like a Friday night just watching Peppa Pig in Cantonese. Yeah. That's that amazing.
1: Was <laughs> Fucking sick. <laughs> I want, yo, I want an invite. <laughs> it sounds fun, as fun. I'm
0: going to teach myself Cantonese. I'm going to steal that trick.
1: Yeah, it is pretty <laughs> great. <laughs> how, um, how have your parents taken your, this like process for you and how you trying to reclaim and like get more in touch with your identity, like your Asian identity, because you said they're pretty acclimated to American culture. So how do they like take all of this?
2: I think they're, I mean, they're excited. They love that, you know, Chinatown means something to me, Mm. even if it was not a part of my life until my adult years. Um, You know, they always, of course, push me to learn to speak more Chinese and things like that. And Mm. so, and it's actually pretty interesting because now the conversations I have with them are actually to learn. I've always had an interest in my family history, right? but like the context behind it of like, you know, what are the traditions behind when we go to the gravesite of my grandparents and we do like all these ancestral cultural things, like what does it signify? You know, I'm learning and asking more of these questions or like, you know, what was it like when my, my dad worked in a restaurant when he, when he immigrated here? Like, what was that like? Um, and so we just have different types of conversations now. And also the fact that we even have this level of conversation to begin with, you know? Because, of course, probably many of us can relate. Like, we didn't have conversations that deep with our parents growing For sure. up. sure. I right? think
1: that's a testament to the selflessness of Asian parents because they, yeah. they bury this crazy shit. Mm -hmm. Like, I've recently started doing the same where I'd have these conversations and ask my parents, like... Was like what happened here? Like who, so and so? They'll drop these bombs, and I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? And they're like, well, you never asked, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I was like,
2: I didn't know I was allowed to
0: ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny how my mom will say sto- crazy stories like that, but she'll say it like it's like super. It's like a funny story, and I'm like, that's not. That's not funny, mom. That's like <laughs> that's traumatizing. <laughs> like that's you're telling me like the most traumatic thing I've ever heard in my life. I don't think it's funny that you went through that.
2: I'm yeah. like, oh, it was so long ago. It's fine. No, it's not. Yeah, fine. like I feel like
0: I, I told this like my the leprosy story. Do you remember that, Brian? What have I ever <laughs> said this on the podcast? No, <laughs> my mom said. No, I feel like I, <laughs> <laughs> my mom said that like back in rural Korea, back when she was a kid, people yeah. had leprosy and they were like shunned, you know, and so they had to like roam around on their own. Yeah, but then there was like this belief that if if you had leprosy, if you ate three virgin hearts you'd be cured so they would try to kill children and eat their hearts the? and then my mom would be like yeah so the guy with leprosy would come around and i'm like <laughs> and then she's like and then i pretended my, my mom was in the bathroom oh and went like God. mom even though she was at work or something and i was like and she was like laughing telling me the story and i was like this is this is a lot for me to uh, <laughs> process
2: you know so you know I've been having this conversation with friends a lot about, yeah. would you ever talk to your parents about therapy? Like either going to therapy for yourself or even suggesting to them to go to therapy. Uh, I oh, would I would. Ne- did. Okay,
1: I've definitely talked about my own experiences, but I would never tell so, my yeah. parents to go. Yeah. Even though they should, like, right? I, they would like, benefit probably, tremendously right? from it, but it's just a cultural barrier that yeah. I've accepted that will never, yeah. like, it just won't happen. Mm. Just, yeah.
0: I I did. My mom said she. Went. I don't know who and this therapist was. My mom right lives in like rural Korea, and she said <laughs> she said she went. And then he said she she said that. Oh, my daughter suggested that I might have some like issues. And he was like, "Do you feel like you're mentally ill?" And she said, "No." And he's like, well, "Then you're not."
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but at least she went. Yeah, I was like, "Wow!" I'm surprised that you found somebody. I don't know who. What kind of da- I don't I have no idea who she saw. That's crazy. That it she might have just rent, been like yeah. her. PCP or something <laughs> <laughs> but, wait why so why do you ask your friends that?
2: Be, just because like also another thing that I feel like has become more prevalent in Asian Americans is like the concept of talking about mental health Yeah. going to therapy
1: yeah I mean even this podcast is, yeah, is,
2: is a lot of that right yeah. and it's just become a lot more normalized versus you know I don't think I said I love you to my parents until in my teens like we just didn't talk about feelings right and so you know while we're with amongst friends like it's okay to have that conversation but you would never I guess like have that conversation with your family like st- still to this day I have a hard time talking about my real feelings or emotions with my brothers or my parents right and it's one of those things where you just like sweep it on under the rug for sure right but you know there is a point in time where i f- sometimes ask myself like what am I trying to bury like why, why do I keep trying to avoid having that conversation with them
1: that is yeah I think that's a, I, I, I've gone through the same thing that you just described I think now I'm at a place where I, I don't know It's it's complicated it's very confusing yeah. because I also yeah. have to check myself and understand like compassion can be expressed in many ways and I think I've recently learned that Another form of compassion is my understanding that my parents won't under, like won't really be on the same wavelength as me and this emotional openness. So, I shouldn't try to push that on them.
2: Mm. I think that's totally fair. Yeah.
1: And like some things, you know what, I'm just going to bury it and brush it under the rug yeah. because… There's just a limitation here and it's not on them to have to meet me in the middle. Like I can just accept that that's just how it is and that's it. Yeah,
2: Jen, do
0: you you ever find yourself wanting to ask or talk about this kind of stuff with your parents?
2: Mm, Probably more so with my mom. My Mm. dad, I think, is still at the end of the day, a pretty traditional Chinese man. Right. So I've been able to open up more with my mom about having those conversations, but then... You know, she's still also my mom, so she over-worries right. and then, like, projects a lot of...
1: <laughs> For sure. <laughs>
2: ...things. Yeah. Right.
1: Meanwhile, <sighs> Vic, real quiet over here in the corner, my parents told me I, they're proud of me every day. <laughs> and they hug and kiss and sleep in the same bedroom.
0: <laughs> she literally looks so confused. Like, what What are y'all talking about? What do you mean? What do you mean hard conversations with my parents? <laughs> well,
3: I think it's really, I, when you are saying, Brian, like the recognizing yourself, for me, there's things like, I want to ask my parents, but I also know then they want to ask what's going on in my life, and I don't disclose a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But it's actually more of the worrying element. Um, You know, I, my parents also did put me in a very sheltered household mm-hmm. as well. So there were a lot of things like, I like to, just had to take my driving lesson yesterday because I haven't driven in a really long time. Just right. got my license like two years ago. And it's not more so because it was a city thing. It was because they didn't want me on the road. Mm. Yeah, they didn't no, want I'm me saying. to drive. They thought it would be really dangerous for two, for me and my sister to, And yeah. you know, venturing. Like I've traveled a lot. Uh, most of the time, my mom actually like, I'm pretty sure she just created an Instagram to follow me, to see <laughs> where I was because I would never tell her until right. I was there. Mm. or I would be like, I'm okay. I'm home. Like I remember one time she texted my sister. She's like, is your sister in Africa? (laughs) And I was like, yeah. And she's like, what do you want me to tell mom? I was like, yeah, yeah. Just tell her I'm here now. So it's okay. Now you can say yes. (laughs) And we don't talk about things such as like, I know my parents, like, you know, their relationship, but it still is actually very surface level. Mm. And I don't talk about dating with them or Mm. anything like that, you know? But of course that's like a very paramount concern of like, Who are you going to marry? What are you going to do? Right. But there's, so there's things of like that. I know it's my comfort level of not wanting to tell them certain things because I just don't want them to worry.
0: Right. I see. Yeah, you know what I feel like that's just a common and I was thinking this when Jen was saying like you know like when you were saying oh I'm like hiding stuff from my parents like what why am I you know what I mean like what is the point of this sort of thing and I feel like that's a common uh, feeling that like Asian people have is number one to like hide certain things from their parents when you are in the middle of doing that it just it does occur to me too I'm like what why am I why am I doing this you know like what's the What's the reason for all the secret? But it's also secrecy. to Vic's point. Yeah. I do
1: that too, where you don't want to stress your parents out,
0: right? like yeah. they're, no, no, they're, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Their
1: worry is their expression of love for right. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And sometimes it goes overboard and it's really stressful. Like right. being the children of the of your parents who worry yeah. about you tremendously. Yeah, yeah. And certain things, I'll just be like, you know what? I can handle this myself. I don't, I don't need to burden yeah. my parents with this right. because their immediate response is going to be concern.
2: Right. Yeah. I guess I was. Oh, sorry. Oh no. Like I was just gonna say, and then it sometimes like starts to make me think about how I would parent one day too, because I feel like amongst my Asian friends, sometimes we make fun of our white friends whose parents are like so loving and coddling, (laughs) and they're each other's best friends. Yeah. And like we just don't have that relate. Maybe that says something about us. I don't know. (laughs) But you know, I think about it in that context too, of like well, what kind of relationship would I want to have with my kid? Like, do I want to be, you know, a tiger mom and, you know, like be tough on them? Or do I want to try to be their friend? I, I don't really know what mm-hmm. I would do. But, you know, it, it it there's, I think, that cultural layer of, or Asian cultural layer, too, of the type of strictness For sure. <laughs> you yeah. impose on a child.
1: For sure. I mean, I was raised yeah. with a very strict, yeah, like my parents, very hands-on, but they, it was always coming from a good place. Yeah. But also, like that hands-on element, like their idea of your pathway to success is still like very narrow. Yeah.
0: You know. Yeah. It's I like, I yeah. have a kid, and I don't know how I want to parent. Like, <laughs> 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 I have no idea what I want to be, what kind of parent I want to be.
1: You're like, let me go yeah. tweet that right now. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry, I have to tweet something. It's been 45 minutes, I'm dying.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, but this is another question that we, you know, speaking of like exp- how Asian parents are different from white parents and how white parents are, you know, very vocal about their love and support and how <laughs> proud they are of their children. Um, <laughs> what is something that you guys are proud of?
3: I'm really proud of the relationships I've built around me
2: that mm. the
3: friend group or you know or relationships I've cut out mm. yeah. that has also yes. been a Ooh, lot of- yes Naps. yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. You're a banger right yeah. There. Um, <laughs> so good. that was part of a lot of the self-reflection I did during covid because yes. you realize who are the people that matter to you and like what part they play in your life and then who are those people that really that you just need to like cut all ties so i think that like taking upon especially for welcome to chinatown seeing the support you know my relationship with jen we've known each other for uh, i don't know 10 years now
2: mm-hmm. but yeah.
3: but you know still really being close now and like who whoever yeah. our friends or those that are like supportive networks that i can look back and say you know the success that i have is attributed to those relationships that i have and i feel that's truly like what i'm most proud of
0: that's such a great answer <laughs> I, like it. We, I can't all live of us, up like, to that yeah. <laughs> when you're like yeah like Having the strength to cut somebody out of your life completely.
2: Yeah. It's a really hard thing to do. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, it Super was hard. like,
3: had during like COVID, had a relationship that was like pretty toxic and oh, like a romantic relationship. Like, yeah. And like, he, oh. we were dating and mm. he like ghosted me. Yeah. But like, oh. we were like broken up already, but like, you know, we were still, I was actually worried about his mental health.
0: Mm. You know, that was
3: like the irony of it. And Mm. then all of a sudden it just like cut ties and then you kind of reflect of like, well, then it also leads into, well, relationships that I'm proud of. If I'm looking for also like a partner, what are like those things or those qualities I'm also looking for, for like a romantic relationship or like a friendship too. Mm -hmm. So I think like that, that has actually been a really positive thing for me for the past like six, seven months that I've been able to to reflect on.
0: How about you, Dan?
2: I think- I'm proud of... I'm actually really proud of this generation of Asian-Americans. Like, when I reflect wait, back... Wait, I have to stop you. Yeah. Something about yourself. Oh, me? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm it's really a- hard at, at doing that. That's hard. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know too, what? I'm too still, general. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to still stick with me being as an Asian-American. Like, I'm proud of, like, okay. how... I think I have even come to not only like recognizing my identity, but then also using it and like applying it into something.
0: Mm.
2: I'm really proud of myself for that, and then I will project that pride to the others that are doing the same. But I will focus on myself right now. Um, wow, that's really hard to do. Yeah,
0: no, I, I'm sorry that I was like, I'm sorry that I was screaming at you. But also, like,
1: we're sorry for asking I'm you. I'm so what sorry. You're proud
0: of. <laughs> No, because I cause I feel like it is it's a hard question to answer. Right. And uh, like when I heard you say I'm proud of this generation of Asian Americans, I was yeah. like
2: Hold please.
0: <laughs> what you've done. Let's take a
2: step back. I mean, no, I think yeah. I, you know what? I think we need to ask ourselves that more. And, and so I, I'm glad you asked me that question. Or yeah. asked me to backtrack. Because we don't we don't give ourselves enough credit, right? I mean, that's
0: crazy because like you are someone, both of you obviously, <laughs> that started this you know, this organization and raised so much money and helped so many people. And, you know, like what you were saying that you're proud of is about that, Yeah, you know, in in a lot of ways. But it's crazy that you wouldn't feel proud or you would have a hard time saying that I'm proud of myself, dot, dot, dot. Yeah.
2: I I, I think that's like just, I learned growing up, like just keep your head down and stay focused on your work and let the work speak for itself. Like you don't need to like, prop yourself up kind of thing right. but in a very weird way through both like my day job experience and through Welcome to Chinatown it's okay to feel proud of yourself and and I and I say this from the context of the actual work that we've done for Welcome to Chinatown but also the fact that you know I think for a good chunk of my life I felt I didn't know if I was being too Asian or too American and like, where was the quote unquote balance in all that? But what Welcome to Chinatown has taught me is that there's nothing to be ashamed of in being Asian American. And I like, I feel kind of dumb just saying that out loud because it's like, duh. But I think that actually was something really hard to grapple with because even in my like my corporate day job, I try not to be too Asian, and I sometimes ask myself why I'm holding back. Um, right. So.
0: And there's nothing to be like embarrassed of not knowing where you fit or f- having that confusion. Yeah. You know, I feel yeah. like a lot of people feel that. Yeah. It's normal. I think yeah. it's,
1: it's great that you vocalize that because I've gone through the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the sentiment that a lot of Asian Americans feel. Yeah. And, you know, shouldn't be ashamed or feel disappointed or it's like, why am I even having these thoughts that feel fucked up or wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, it's, it's normal. just such a core yeah. emotion.
0: It has something to do with your identity. You right. know what I mean? Like that's a huge it's huge. Yeah. So, oh, that was so great. I'm so glad that we had you on the show. This is such a great conversation. Um do you wanna say your your um personal Instagrams and social media
2: or if you want to share them? Yeah. Uh I'm Jennifer Zenyu so J E N N I F E R Z H E N Y U. <laughs> On Instagram.
3: (laughs) V Lee. So it's V, four E's, and then L and four E's.
2: Okay. I know we keep it so easy.
0: (laughs) I love that. <laughs> How about you, Brian? What's your, plug your Instagram and Twitter that you're never going to use anymore because it's bad for your brain.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you guys can follow me on socials at It's Brian Park. And what about you, Young Me?
0: I'm still going to use it. I'm going to use it till I die from social media rotting my brain. <laughs> YM Mayor on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, once again, it's welcome.to.Chinatown.
2: Yeah, we don't make anything easy to follow. This is a problem. <laughs> or
1: just type in welcome to Chinatown into Google. There you go. Be the Send first. money to
0: that white person that owns the other handle.
2: Yes. <laughs> just give, give us the handle. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, guys, thanks for listening. And you guys can follow our podcast Instagram at Feeling Asian Podcast and donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash feelingasian. And thanks for listening, guys. Bye.
0: Bye.